I want to read to you this great passage of scripture because I think it really is about your attitude. It is about your attitude. You know, you have an attitude problem. You really do. And, and it's not because of your ethnicity. It's not because, you know, this is your upbringing or this is the way you were raised. You have an attitude problem. And the problem with your attitude is you're not focusing it in the right direction. When you have a good attitude in the midst of what you go through or the circumstances of life, it'll take you to your divine destiny because God's always looking to test us to take us to a new place in Him. The Bible says in the book of Job, the 23rd chapter, verse 10, look at it on the screen if we can get it up there. It says, but He knows where I am going. You know, many times you can't see where you're going. The fog of life, the storms of life, the circumstances. But God knows the way where I am going. And when he has tested me, wait a second, you mean God has tested me? Of course he has. The enemy will tempt you, but God will test you. And when he has tested me, I'll come out as pure as gold. And I believe it really is about your attitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Because the difference between the obstacle and the opportunity is one thing, attitude. Every opportunity has difficulty, and every difficulty has opportunity in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you already. We've experienced your precious touch. And Lord, I thank you that this word is going to penetrate with fire, and it's going to change lives forever. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've lost weight, I swear. Go ahead and tell them, tell them that. I think it's helpful. I think it's really helpful for people like us. I think there's something so important about passing the test. How many of you, and I want you, before I get into the message, give the worship team one more round of applause. Can you do that? I want to thank them. Uh, all of our ushers, our greeters, our children's workers, our media team, they're so faithful. They're, they're getting this new thing up with our online services. Would you give all of our wonderful volunteers at Oasis a round of applause? Thank them. I, I just I give them a standing O. We just hook them up. We just appreciate them so much. Because I think there's something about the day-to-days where we pass it or fail. We're passing the test in life when things come our way or we're failing the test. Do you know the Bible tells us that, that God would test us. But the enemy, said, the enemy does the opposite. He begins to tempt us. I believe that everybody loves a winner. Everybody wants to be around a winner. But so few people in life can actually stand in the winner's circle. Because in the Word of God, there is a price to pay to be a winner. There is an attitude that a champion must have. It was demonstrated by the ultimate champion, which is Jesus Christ. But it was also demonstrated by great men and women of God, by people of, in, of perseverance and persistence, by people who endured the test of life, and they came out on the other side. And you can be a winner, too. But you have to find something that you're willing to, to die and go after with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. You have to, what I call, stop wearing your feelings on your sleeve all the time. Always looking for an easy way to quit, an easy way to be heard, an easy way to be left out of the game of life. And you have to find something that you're willing to go after with everything. Only then will you truly be happy. And only then will you stand in the winner's circle. That's why I believe that when you pass the test in this life, it prepares you for the next one. 
I want you to know something that many of you already know, but I think I need to share it again. You do nothing to contribute to your salvation. The Bible says nobody comes to the Lord lest the Spirit draws them. I'm talking to men and women in this room that have been coming to church where God drew you. You are a person of destiny because the Spirit of God drew you. You're saved today, not because of wise, persuasive words of, of mere human wisdom. You're saved by the power of Almighty God. You're saved by the grace of God and that and that alone. You don't obtain salvation through works. But religious does. Religious says, religion says, obtain righteousness by works. Obtain salvation by your works. Obtain a, a justification with your life by your works. But God's already established you and I are not saved by works. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not by our works, so nobody can boast about it. So you can't say, my life, I boast because I do all this for God. The Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. There's no one righteous, no, not one. So we're not saved by works. But can I tell you, friends, to go a little deeper today, you're not saved by works, but you and I are saved to do the work to do the work of the gospel. I tell our staff all the time, the foundation of the church, the foundation and core belief of the city center, of Oasis Ministries, the founding of Oasis Ministries, it's built on this core value. You have to remember who you work for. You do not work unto men. You work unto God. You're not working unto men at your job, at your career, even though you're an entrepreneur and start your own business. You're not working for your family. You're working unto God. That means if your boss is demon-possessed and spits pea soup out, it doesn't matter. You're not working unto them. You're working unto God. That's the foundation of how you and I need to live our life. Every place you go, you're adding value. You're igniting hope because you're not working working unto men. You're working unto God. You're not saved by works because religion says, oh, do this, do this, do that. Then you'll obtain righteousness. You do not obtain righteousness. It's already been established by what Christ has done at Calvary. But now that you are born again, now you're called to do work. But I believe because scripture bears it out that this life here is a test. It's a test on how we endure, how we overcome, because the scriptures tell us a, a diamond of truth in the New Testament that many Christians don't ever read. It says that we will rule and reign with Christ in heavenly places. If we're going to rule and reign in heavenly places, you've got to have something or someone to rule and reign over. That means you've got to have a good attitude because you're going to be a boss. That means you may be in heaven the big boss applesauce. You may be the person in heaven where the things have to come to you. But I believe more than anything, it really depends on our attitude here. And how we endure the test here determines how we're going to rule and reign there. The Bible says our works on this earth, if they're not done unto God, they don't mean anything. But when they're done unto God, the Bible says when we come before the throne room of God, the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment are two distinctly different things. The judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment are for 
for believers and unbelievers. The white throne judgment, the scriptures say all unbelievers come before this white throne judgment. And that white throne judgment, it's the judgment of the nations. It's how people treated Israel and the people of Israel. They're going to come before that white throne judgment. And God's going to say, what did you do with my son? What did you do with the nation of promise, Israel, and the people of Israel? That's the white throne judgment. Those who have rejected Christ, those who have, who have, who have turned their back on the gospel. That's not our judgment. Our judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat is in heaven. Everybody say in heaven. And in heaven means we're already saved. You all get that this morning? If you're in heaven, that means you're saved. Nobody's going to get to heaven and go, oops, I don't know how I got here. There's not a person that's going to go, how did I get here? Nobody's going to wake up and go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Every, you may not expect them to be in heaven, but I'll assure you, anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's already established. God says, I've called you, but when we get to heaven, now God does something different to all believers at the judgment seat. He says, present your works. Remember, you're not saved by work, but you're saved to do the work. That's why the Bible says, let your light shine before men so they may see what? Your good works, not the work of salvation. You can't obtain salvation. The works that you're doing for the Lord in this life. And as they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. This is a test. This is only a test. How many of you remember that when they had three channels back in the day? It would come on and go, beep, this is a test. This is only a test. And you would turn the channel and it would still be beep. This life is but a test. The enemy will tempt you, but God will test you. And I believe that trials and tribulations mark the road to triumph because it's only a test. I want you to know, friends, nothing comes easy in this life. In life, business, career, home, health, whatever you're doing, it never comes easy. When people say, this just fell into my lap, I say, be careful what comes to your lap. Well, this opportunity just fell into my lap. I'm thinking, yeah, but it comes with W-O-R-K. Anything of good nature, anything that's honorable, anything that's praiseworthy, not only we are to think upon those things, but let me add a caveat, we're to work upon those things. Because life is about struggle. It's about trials and tribulations, and they mark our road to triumph. Nothing comes easy in this life. Not a business startup, not a career, not a ministry, not a home, not a life, not a marriage. Nothing comes easy. It's one climb after another climb after another climb. And if it comes easy, it's not worth having. I believe the crowns that you and I wear in this life, they only come out of the giant's hands we rip them out of that we fight. Now think about the children of Israel. They were set free just as you and I were set free by the miracle of salvation. They had a miracle of salvation as well. They were in Egypt's bondage for 433 years. They'd been in bondage as slaves for Pharaoh and for Egypt. And then Moses came along. And Moses came along and he literally, with God ordaining it, he literally brought them out, millions of men and women and children, out in a day. 400 plus years of slavery and, and one disease and one torment, one death after after another, drowning their children in the Nile River, killing off the next generation. And now God, through a major deliverance, brings them out in a day. And when he brought them out in a day, just as you were brought out of your muck, your mire, your disease, your destruction, God brought you out in a day. He brought you out in a moment. 
Do not forget what brought God brought you out of. Never forget the day he called you into his marvelous life. Never forget the day he called you his very own and said, I love you. I'm with you. I'm here. You're in church today because God has called you. I don't believe there's a person in this room who's stepping their way into hell. I believe there's men and women in this room that are on their way to the test, but you have to be purified. You have to go through the test to get to the testimony. You have to go through it to get to it. But after they had crossed the Red Sea through this miraculous miracle, you would think that seeing God bring them out, this miraculous miracle of bringing them out with gold and silver, God had a payday for them. They brought all the wealth of Egypt with them. And you would think that after this miraculous thing of, of hundreds of years of slavery and absolute devastation, that you would have only positive things to say. But just like Israel, so goes the church. And Israel became complainers. They said, you brought us out here to die, Moses. God just delivered them through Pharaoh's bondage. They started whining. They started complaining. They started to have a cruddy attitude. And you know how we first know you got a bad attitude? Your face. Your face will always tell. I always look at people's resting face. You ever see a person and you're like, what's their resting face? I'm always curious about, but I tell Jennifer, make sure my resting face is joyful. Because you know how people have a resting face when they're looking at something. And it's like, uh, and, and my daughter took a picture of me the other day, my resting face, and it was like this. I'm like, that is not attractive. What happened to my resting face? So I'm kind of conscious now that my resting face, if I'm looking interested, I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me more. Or if you're saying something, I'm making sure to be like this. I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. I may think you're crazy as a, a June bug in the hot summer night, but I'm taking it in. I'm not here to fix you. I'm just here to help. Some of you tell me the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, oh, my God, help them, Jesus. And then you leave, I talk about you. No, I don't do that. But I make sure that my resting face is one of a good attitude. You have to be careful. Israel came out of this miraculous miracle, supernatural miracle, and they start whining. They start complaining. They say, oh, the giants are too big for us over there. We're like grasshoppers. And you know what happened? God let that generation die in the wilderness so he could produce in Israel men and women who were willing to pursue his purposes with a passion. I'll say it again. If it's easy, it's not worth having. There is no victory without a fight. There is no dawning without a night. There is no purchase without a cost. And friends, there's no crown without a cross. Now consider Job. Job lost all his wealth in one day. Very few people can handle that. Remember the stock market crash of 1929. We read stories and we heard testimonies of millionaires diving out of the window of their high rise because they lost it all in a day to their death, dying because they lost all their wealth in a day. And then consider this, he lost his 10 children. I couldn't fathom losing one of my children, but to lose all 10 of them simultaneously, it's enough to drive you into an asylum. And then he lost his health. You're never really wealthy until you discover how wealthy you are by your health. Because when you lose your health, you've lost your wealth and you've lost your potential to gain wealth. 
and he lost his health. He was covered head to foot with boils. He was sitting in the ruins that used to be his beautiful home. I mean, HDTV just came in and did a cover spread about his home, the lavish lifestyle of Job. He lost his home. It's now in shambles. And his wife, she had a mouth sharp enough to trim a hedge. You know what she told him? Curse God and die. How many of you know with a wife like that, you don't need enemies? But I want you to hear this attitude, this attitude that comes out of him, even though he's in the midst of turmoil. Look at it on the screen again. If we can put it up there, Rudy, one more time. He says, he knows where I'm going. Even though I've lost my health, I've lost my home, I've lost my children, my wife, she's a little backslidden now. I'm trying to pray for her deliverance and where he knows that where I am going. But when he's tested me, I'll come forth as gold. He knows about the refiner's fire. He knows about what it means to be put in the crucible of the heat of the fire of intensity. He knows how they refined the gold back then and how they even do it today. They take the gold and the impurities of it and they put it in the Hot, and they heat it up as hot as it can possibly get. And all the impurities rise to the top of the gold because of the extreme heat. All the impurities begin to bubble, bubble, bubble to the top. And with a very fine screen, they skim the top of that gold off so it's absolutely pure. I believe Job is saying today, as he said back then, if God tests me and turns the fire up hotter than hot, I'll still have a good resting face. I'll still have a good attitude. I won't bend. I won't bow. I'll serve God until hell freezes over. I won't quit. For those that endure to the end, for those that endure to the end, these are the ones that rule and reign with Christ in heavenly places. Remember what Jesus said in the New Testament. He said, you're going to be ruler over 10 cities. You're going to be ruler over this domain and that domain. Some of you will not be ruling over anything because you have a bad resting face. You have a bad attitude. And your attitude determines who you're going to reign over. I believe that more than anything. He says, when it's over, I'll endure the fire. I'll endure the storm. I will endure this test. He says, turn it up. And when it gets to the heat, I'll still be here. Wasn't it Jesus that told us about the two parables? Wasn't it the carpenter of Calvary, the carpenter, the master builder that said there would be two houses that were built? And one of the houses was built on sand, but the other house was built on the rock. But the storm came to both homes. Both homes were completed. Both homes have been finished. But the test came when the storm came. And when the storm came, they found out what they were made of. Because the house that was built on the rock stood and the house that was on the sand was destroyed. We can always test the quality of a man or a woman's life as you get put into the storm. The only way the strength of steel could be tested is if you put it in the fire. How are you going to know God's a healer unless you endure the storm of sickness how are you going to know God's a God of all hope and you could ignite hope unless you had a private Gethsemane hopeless thinking there was no answer for your problem how are you going to stand up in midst of the fire and shout God you are a deliverer unless you've been thrown in with the lion friends you can walk through the water and the water won't drown you you can walk through the fire and the fire won't burn you because if God be for you who could be against you and I believe this attitude that we must have, it determines our approach to life. But you have to stop confessing the wrong things. Many of you need to stop confessing the words, I can't. 
I can't, Joey. Uh, doesn't that sound whiny? Even me saying it, I'm just so disgusted with some of you. I can't, Joey. I can't. You know what? You need to change the confession to I can and say I can overcome this by the grace of God. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Oh, I can't. I can't. You know what I can't I found out really is? I can't is the brother of I don't want to. When you're saying I can't, what you're really saying is I don't really want to. And what happens when you say, well, if it be thy will. Oh, if it be thy will. How many cop-outs do people say over life and over calamities of life? Oh, if it be thy will, Lord. I had a prayer many years ago with a pastor. I was at his church preaching, and the Sunday morning had ended, and he went to the hospital to visit one of his congregational members that had been very sick. And the pastor went into the room with the congregational member, and he began to pray over him. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. And he began to pray over the man, and he said, Lord, if it be thy will. Just heal him right now, Lord. But if it's not your will, take our dear brother home. And I left that hospital and said, that man is to never pray for me in the hospital ever. He is to never, ever come into a room where I have a sniffle. What's the point? We're not to pray if people are sick. God, if it be thy will, you heal him. It is God's will that you walk in health and abundant. It is God's will that you don't live with cancer. You're not living with diabetes. You're not living with pancreatic cancer. You're not living with issues with the blood. You don't have diabetes. It is God's will that you're healthy and prosperous. It is God's will that you would have long life. He shall satisfy. You need to stop with the milly mouth religion nonsense. If it be thy will, Lord, if it be thy will. You just come and you help me, but thy will be done. You proclaim the word of God. Don't debate the word of God. God's will is that you prosper. God's will is that you overcome. God's will is that your children are safe and successful. It's God's will that his people are overcomers. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that, Joey. I just think that's kind of, that's kind of aggressive. Yeah, you, the Bible's aggressive. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffer violent and the violent take it by force. What you need to stop doing is tip throw doing tulip when you think it has to come with warfare. What do you think this life is about? This life is about a fight. This life is about struggle. You say, well, I don't want to in fight. Then you're not involved in the army of God. You've got to get in that army and get equip yourself for battle, son. Daughter, listen to me. There is a fight to be waged. The fight for our family, the fight for our home, the fight for our nation. Suit up and put on the whole armor of God and fight power. Fight the, fight the power. Everybody. No, no, no. That's Chuck D. Sorry, my mind. I got left. I was thinking of Flavor Flav. No, 911's not a joke, Flavor Flav. But you've got to learn to endure hardness as a good soldier. I think there's something so important about the right attitude. I think the difference between any obstacle in life and any opportunity in life is one thing holding between them. Attitude. Because every bit of life's obstacles and opportunities, I believe, come through the same channel. They come through the channel of a test. The enemy will always take the test from God and begin to tempt. So when God puts you through the crucible of the testing, here comes the enemy. Because the enemy always comes first before the blessing is revealed. The enemy always comes first before the blessing is revealed. I always know when my breakthrough is at the door because the enemy always attacks first in that area that the breakthrough's coming. 
And it's always a test. How are you going to have your resting face? How are you going to lead your family, lead your life, lead your home? What are you going to do? Are you going to stand there and whimper? Oh, if it be thy will, I just let my children go to hell. If it be thy will, I'm just going to let them stay sick. Oh, God, it's your will that we just live busted and broken, disgusted. Oh, it's your will that that person is their friend. And I'm not a good influence on them, but I just think it's your will. No, you need to pray a hornet's nest prayer. You say, God, get in there and mess that relationship up. Tear it apart. Rip it apart. You say, you're aggressive, Joey. Did you eat your Wheaties? Yes. Because I think there's something to be said about having the right attitude. Because you have to realize the difference between you and them are what's on the inside of you. And you have a lion on the inside of you. And that lion wants to roar. We don't need to defend the Bible. We don't need to debate the Bible. You need to let the lion out and the lion will rip the enemies to shreds. But what do we do? We, stop, we start focusing on the wrong things. I don't want to be successful at the wrong things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my life being successful with the wrong things. I don't want to live my life and have an attitude issue every single moment because I can't pass the test. I want to rule and reign with the Lord. I want to be a person of excellence and a dominion. I want to be a person that carries that revival of God everywhere I go. Then I'm not standing on the sidelines trying to just be a consumer. Oh, bless me. Oh, pray for me. Oh, pity me. Oh, adore me. Oh, come see about me. I say this respectfully, but it's so true. But I say it with great love. You need to take off the pampers and put on the whole armor of God. Take it off. Some of you are walking around grown children, grown men and women, just wearing spiritual pampers. <laughs> just it's all over yourself, all over everybody. Put on the armor of God and fight the power and principalities of the enemy. God doesn't manufacture junk. Am I preaching this this morning? He doesn't manufacture junk. He doesn't sponsor flops. He puts you in this battle called life. He's in the battle right beside you. You have the armor of God. You have the shoes of peace. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the sword of the spirit. You have the helmet of salvation. You have the word of the living God. Attack it, attack it, attack it with a great attitude. Now, as we get ready to close our time, there's something that you need to do. You need to position yourself for success. But sometimes our greatest tragedy in life is not failing. Our greatest tragedy of life is not trying. It's when we do things or we attempt to do things, but we shrink back. And then the enemy comes with the temptation because God wants to test the water in your life and get you to a new place in him. But you let the enemy tempt you and get you off course because you've let an attitude determine your altitude. And your attitude has taken you down instead of elevating you up to rule and reign with him. Because I believe there's a difference in life between exploring the goodness of God, living in the dimensions of God, and just existing in a church setting. I believe that Oasis Church, our lives together as family, they're not to live in an existent setting of just church. We're to live our life with expectancy. But what happens with many religious things, they limit you because they say you can't go past this point. And if you don't, and if you don't understand 
and you can't explain, you can't go past the point. Many people fail to, to take on the opportunities because it's so, it's so embedded with challenges. They're afraid to take on a city center. They're afraid to build things. They're afraid to take on a marriage. They're afraid to take on that, that thing at work or with their home. They're afraid to do it because they shrink back instead of moving forward in what God's called them to do. Do you know a tiny seed has to struggle and push its way up to the rock and the hard soil only then to find its way to the sunshine and the fresh air? After it finds its way to the sunshine and to the fresh air, that tiny seed has to wrestle with storms, frost, snow, and even floods. And if that tiny seed makes it through all of that adversity, only then does it become a massive oak tree. It doesn't wake up one day a massive oak tree. No, it goes through trial. It goes through tribulation. It's an uphill climb. Wasn't it Joseph who came through the throne of Egypt? through a pit his brothers threw him in? Didn't he come through the slanderous charge of rape of Potiphar's wife? Didn't he come through the charge, this man's a criminal, no good. From the dungeon of a pure hell came the prime minister of all of Egypt and Joseph saved all of Egypt in the known free world. Why? I can tell you why. Because in the day of his trials, his attitude and his character held him to the destiny that he truly had. Your attitude and your character will take you to the destiny God truly has for you. But it's all about passing the test. Because remember, this is only a test. But your very life in the next one depends on how you live it and what you do with the test that God gives you. I believe that there's a gap between where we are and where we could be had we put our hand in the hand of God with the right attitude. Not with the right qualifications because God does not Qualify the called. Our God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. In other words, God's not going to give you anything on you that you don't already have the ability to overcome. There's no temptation, that which is a man, which is common. What am I telling you today? I'm telling you, buck up, little buckaroo. Buck up, little buckaroo. You say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You know what? It's in the Bible. My Bible. I wrote it there many years ago when I was upset about my upbringing and I was upset that I didn't have family and I was upset that I didn't have a dad to raise me and a mom to raise me and I was upset that my children didn't have grandparents, yada, 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 on and on. And I wrote there on the side note of my one Bible at home I have and I said, buck up, little buckaroo. And I had to tell myself what I'm telling you. Life is about a test. You're going to live your life with either a crummy attitude and nobody's going to want to be around you or you're going to live your life victorious and realize God is with you. Everything's going to be all right. So I tell you what's in the Bible, mine. Buck up, little buckaroos. Has you been hurt? You got to get over it. Have you been betrayed? You got to get over it. Have you been lied to, you got to get over it. Have you failed, you got to get over it. Have you been misstepped, you got to get over it because God knows your step. You got to realize that nothing you face works against you, but everything you're going through is working for you because God wants you to pass the test. That's the great part about this test. God's already ordained it that you pass the dang thing. He's not like, I just don't want him to pass. 
I'm going to make the test harder so they don't pass. That's not how God's thinking. He's making it so easy for you to pass the test. He's saying, come on, come on, come on. I'm putting people in your life like the incredible bald man. I'm putting people in your life like these wonderful people around you. I'm putting people in your life that will escort you into another dimension of believing. I've got my word around you. I've girded you with my strength. I've got the angels on your left, the angels on your right. Their swords are drawn to defend you. I give you the ability to pass the test. Can we stand together? I think there's so much potential in this room. Tapping it, living it, is only one person stopping you. It's you. It's you. It's not life. It's not the enemy. It's not society. It's not an upbringing. It's not a divorce. It's not a diagnosis. The only one that's stopping you from accomplishing and passing the test is you. You have to make a decision to say, though God slays me, though he took everything that I held dear to me, I can't understand it, I can't defend it, I can't explain it, but I can trust. You cannot base your life on an explanation, but friends, you can base your life on a promise. God does not give explanations. He only gives promises. If you live your life waiting for God to explain it, you're going to die five over. You'll never get it explained to you until you get to heaven. And he's going to say, hey, that's why that went down. See, I was working all this for the good. You may not realize it on this earth, but this earth is just a testing ground. This earth is not our home. I thought you knew. This is not our home. We're going home. The trump of God shall soon sound. The voice of the archangels will soon split the heaven. The dead in Christ will rise first to meet the Lord in the air. We call it the rapture of the church. It's the next thing to happen. So what I'm telling you, this is only a test. But make sure you pass it. Make sure that you are ready to take on the challenges of life with the right attitude because it really is about your attitude. If you take on the attitude of this world, the attitude of some of your cultures, the attitude of your upbringing, you're gonna keep going around that mountain a long time. But you take the attitude of Christ, though he slays me, I'll come forth as pure as gold. Though he were a son, wrote Hebrews 5 and 8, I learned obedience by the things which he suffered. For as much as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, ourselves likewise be of the same mind. That means you might be called upon to go through something at some point in this Christian life. There's a cost to discipleship. And if you're not willing to present yourself as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, not a religious sacrifice, a living sacrifice. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if you suffer with him, guess what's going to happen, friend? You're going to reign with him. If you don't suffer with him, I don't think you're going to reign with him. This road that I'm talking about, it's soaked with tears, trials, and setbacks. But that's an everyday part of life. But champions have the attitude of fortitude. Though the fire gets heated as hot as it can go, when it's over, it will grow me closer to the things of God. It'll get me closer. I want you to be that person that lives with great expectancy through every storm, through every test, through every trial because you know God is with you and he's given you the ability to pass that test. You received that word today? Yes. I know you do.